0: Hello from sunny Austin, Texas, and welcome to the Healthcare Soothsayer podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Bonnie Clipper, and yes, I'm a nurse. I have worked for more than 30 years as a nurse, chief nurse executive, innovation strategist, and speaker. I have taken the message of Nursing Innovation International and look forward to continuing this message to transform health. This podcast will bring you thought leaders and ideas that you may not have otherwise heard from. Enjoy the show. Our guest today is Dr. Rose Sherman, a nationally known nursing leadership development thought leader, speaker, and author. Rose, welcome to Healthcare Soothsayers. It's good to be with you, Bonnie. And Rose, it's such an honor to be talking with you. You have been a nationally known leader in nursing for quite a while. You're the editor of the Nurse Leader Journal for AONL, and you've published two books on nursing leadership. I wonder if you can talk with us about how COVID has changed leadership. Well, I think uh, you know it's
1: such a great question, Bonnie, because um, COVID has changed leadership in so many ways, and 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 you know I'm talking with nurse leaders nationwide. And this is one of the questions that I ask them, how has COVID changed your leadership? And the number one response that I get from leaders is that they now find themselves to be much more vulnerable than they've ever been before. You know, historically, a lot of leaders have believed that if staff have emotional problems or problems at home, that they should just park those problems at the door and they shouldn't enter the workplace. And I think COVID has really upended all of that because leaders uh, begin to realize uh, how much of an impact, and I call COVID a lifequake. I think sometimes we underestimate what the impact of this event has been, both personally and professionally. And what, what is true about lifequakes is that they tend to be game changers. They not only accelerate trends that are already underway, but they also serve as a catalyst for, for some new changes. And I think that leaders today are looking, you know, we're kind of in the messy middle. Um, if you look at the work of Bruce Feller, who talks about life in transitions and transitions and earthquakes, he talks about Uh, You know, a period of time where people mourn their losses, then they have the messy middle and then they move into a new beginning. Uh, I haven't found any leaders right now, Bonnie, that are at the new beginning. Everyone is kind of in the messy middle, uh, looking at what's happening in their environments and trying to decide strategically where to go next.
0: You know, I think that you really brought something up that's so important for all of us, and that is many of us were reared at a time in leadership where we were supposed to be Teflon. We were supposed to have on our Kevlar suit every day and not be overly emotional and and not be overly human, but rather be sort of this less movable object, this this leader that didn't have personal issues or emotions to a certain degree. And I think you you hit on something that is really important, and that is this has been the great equalizer, not always in a good way, but it's almost required us as leaders to bring our full authentic self every day, even if things aren't good. And it's become more okay to share that because we're leaning on each other.
1: And I think you're so right about that. And, you know, we have a good example an article that's coming out in the April issue of uh, Nurse Leader. And it's an interview with uh, chief nursing officer out there in Texas, Kid Brenneman. And he's at Midland Memorial. And, you know, one of the big challenges with the healthcare workforce during COVID has been just mental health and well-being. And there's phenomenal stigma around really seeking help if you're having well-being or mental health issues. And Kit said that he realized um, early, you know, a few months into COVID that he was becoming very burned out as a leader. So what he did was he took advantage of the mental health services that they had there at Midland Memorial, but then he took it a step further. He he talked with the staff about his own burnout and his own seeking of help and how it had helped him to kind of put the whole experience into a better perspective. And so his goals were two. Um, one is that he wanted to be authentic with his staff, as you said. But the second is that he wanted to destigmatize mental health. And that's something that a lot of leaders are really talking with me about today, this real need. Uh, We know that about 36%, that ANA pulse survey that just came out, about 36% of nurses are not seeking help because uh, they believe that they should be able to manage their mental health and well-being without assistance.
0: Well, and I think that that's an incredibly important point for us because there continues to be survey after survey after survey that suggests very strongly the issues of mental health that we're seeing not only in in our nursing ranks, but Mm -hmm. certainly among our leaders and Mm -hmm. even in the other disciplines and professions in healthcare As as a leader and as an expert in the development of leaders, what do you think that's going to look like for us on a regular day-to-day basis as we go forward and try to help our staff through this over the next couple of years? Well, one of the things um, that I've been
1: talking to leaders about, Bonnie, is this idea of having trauma-informed leadership and that is really understanding an, about trauma and understanding the impact because for the healthcare workforce in many settings, not all, uh, this COVID experience has really been a traumatic experience and ver- a very sustained experience. And if you look at the work of Richard Tadishi, as an example, who's written for the Harvard Business Review and has really an excellent book out on post-traumatic growth, what we know is that only about 10% of people that go through trauma actually end up with PTSD. But it is very important that you handle and that you acknowledge that people have been through this trauma and really help them process it and recalibrate from it. So trauma-informed leadership is really recognizing that, first of all, we've been through a trauma. Um, second of all, what what kind of symptoms might staff show if they do have PTSD? Because that's important. Um, how do you help people grow? from this trauma? And then how do you respond? And this is the complicated one, Bonnie. One of the things that we know about trauma is like an iceberg. What you see on the surface is much different than what's going on below. So kind of nationwide right now with the healthcare workforce, not just nursing, what we're seeing is a lot of negativity, a lot of anger and outsized emotions to things that are happening. And that's really typical behavior when people have been through a trauma. So it's helping leaders understand that these behaviors, some of the behaviors that they see have really been, are really an outcome of the trauma that the workforce has experienced. And they have to know how to respond to it very constructively.
0: So I love that point. And how do we help our staff through that process when leaders themselves are also going through the same process, yeah, I think I think that
1: the moving through this, you know, this trauma really can be a joint experience with leaders and staff. And one of the things that we know from the work of like Dr. Morty Seligman at University of Pennsylvania about um, PTSD and trauma is that a key area to really look at when you go through an experience like COVID and it has been traumatic for you is what stories are you telling yourself about what happened during this experience and your part in it? Are you telling yourself that you didn't do enough and that you could have done more and that you're upset about what happened? Or are you telling yourself that you're really proud about what's happened? So that's the first thing. The second thing is, that we know when you move through these lifequakes, um, that one of the things that happens during these lifequakes is that some of your core beliefs get shattered. Some of the things that you assume to be true are no longer true. And for healthcare workers right now, one of the big uh, areas um, that they are really concerned about is the level of disinformation among the public when it comes to the vaccine, when it comes to the virus. Um, They're not believing their healthcare providers, in, in many cases, challenging information that they're getting. Many of our healthcare workforce have gone off of Facebook. Some are estranged from their families over discussions around the disinformation. And so we do know that This is something that that our healthcare workforce is going to have to process too, because a number of them have told me that they worry about, since the public didn't believe scientific experts or a percentage of the public, what does this mean going forward when you try to give people healthcare?
0: Well, and I think that you're starting to unpack a much bigger issue that we, we have about being healthcare professionals and using Science and evidence is our platform so let's let's kind of twist this just a little bit when we talk about leaders, obviously leadership goes hand in hand with workforce. What are the issues from a workforce perspective? I continue to see so much about um, turnover or the mm-hmm. potential for turnover particularly around nurses that are considering leaving the bedside or leaving their jobs within the next 12 months. What are the red flags that are the true, legit red flags for us? And what can we do to actually slow that down or make sure that that doesn't happen?
1: Such a good point, Bonnie. I think, you know, the number one thing is mental health, which we've just talked about. That's really top of mind for leaders when it comes to workforce. But the other issue is this issue of um, acceleration of retirements. I think that many healthcare leaders are at least anecdotally telling me um, that they have nurses that are, let's say, over 60 that have planned on working another two to five years and made the decision during COVID not to. And so those retirements have gotten really accelerated and are hitting some of our specialty areas like the perioperative area very, very hard. Um, But there's also turnover among staff, you know, uh, and, and that's what happens when you go through these lifequakes. People start rethinking everything. They start rethinking, should I move closer to my family? Is this really the institution that I want to work in? We don't know yet what the national turnover looks like, Bonnie. We know that in 2019, the national turnover was sitting at about 18%. I'm talking with organizations today that their turnover may be as high as 25%. So what this has led to is a really interesting thing in terms of the workforce, and that is that much of the healthcare workforce right now are relatively new graduates, very, very inexperienced nurses. The toughest nurses to recruit right now are nurses that have experience. So we have gotten into this um, patient acuity um, and you know gap, there's a there's kind of an imbalance between the complexity of the patient and the experience of the staff. So I think what we're going to end up seeing and something that a lot of leaders have started talking about is really um, how we have to redesign our care delivery systems, incorporate things like technology, which I know is a huge area of interest to you, that we can't continue delivering care the way we've been delivering it. We've re- we just simply, don't have enough staff and won't have enough staff going going forward to be able to do that.
0: Okay, so you know, now you're you're scratching an itch for me Rose because technology enabled care is where we are going to have to go. Yet as nurses and and healthcare disciplines as well, we resist that. We continue to sort of dig our heels in and say, we, you know, we look how long that nurses have literally fought and scrapped over hanging on to phlebotomy and starting IVs and things of that nature. How do we help work through this and get not only our workforce, but our leaders to lean into technology enabled care? Well,
1: there's a couple of things. One is that I think uh, one of the areas that's been very promising as a result of COVID has been the whole expansion into tele- telehealth and the acceptance of from both the public and our healthcare workforce. But here's the thing, Bonnie. I think a lot of the disruption, disruptive innovation in healthcare is going to come outside of from outside of healthcare. Uh, you know, one of the real realities of COVID is that many healthcare delivery systems right now are really in financial trouble uh, because, uh, you know, they have decreased volumes. They haven't done as many elective procedures. Um, At the same time, we have some major technology companies like Amazon, Apple, Google, Microsoft, that are emerging from COVID, very cash-rich. And we're already seeing Amazon move into the care space So I think the message to leaders right now, what I'm sending to them right now in terms of messaging is uh, that you're going to have no choice because if your organizations don't do this, someone else will. This is a $3.6 trillion space. And, you know, even Tim Cook, who, you know, the CEO of Apple now says that he thinks Apple's greatest contribution in the long run to mankind will be in the healthcare arena. So I don't think leaders are going to have a lot of choice. They're going to have to embrace technology and, and that might be
0: challenging, but it's a must. Well, and that's such a good point because you're spot on in healthcare. We're a little bit like the Fox guarding the hen house. Mm -hmm. And we've had a tremendous amount of resistance for some of the right reasons, but also for many of the wrong reasons, Around the incorporation of more technology and disruption in how we provide healthcare care, how we administer treatments, therapies, diagnostics, access, and cost. So you're spot on. It is going to be disrupted from outside of healthcare, and that's whether we want it to be or not. So I think the challenge there is, as we see the disruption occurring, as leaders, how do we then sort of bridge the gap and get leaders on board with the transformations that will come? And of course, the workforce is going to have to follow. That feels like a tall order. What What do you see as some of those steps to bridge that gap? Well, I think, I think one of the things
1: that I always say is, you know, follow the money and follow the consumers. And I think one of the outcomes of COVID has been that the fragility of the current healthcare system has really been exposed, um, and, a, and a lot of it has has been kind of ugly. Uh, you know, people have seen what healthcare delivery in this country can do, and really what they can can't do. So I think consumer confidence in the healthcare delivery system is not at its highest level right now. And I think healthcare leaders are starting to begin to understand that. And I believe that consumers are going to demand more. A good example is what's going on right now with this price transparency in hospitals, um, Bonnie, you know, hospitals have are legally responsible to be transparent about their prices, but what they're doing is they're embedding the, the transparency so deep into their websites that the public can't get this information and so even the Wall Street Journal is doing some investigative reporting and saying hey guys you can't continue to operate this way and protect yourselves because guess what people are going to seek other sources of care if you continue to do this And so I think that's that's where it's at you know if you want to lose market share uh, and and continue doing business the way you're doing it that's what's going to happen to you. You're going to find yourself really, uh, really out of business. And so that's, uh, I agree with you that many healthcare leaders, I think, probably haven't come to grips with how serious that problem really is right now and are still in the, uh, the space where they're trying to protect what they have. But even the regulators, I think, are going to get on board, and, and
0: that's really going to change things as well. mm mm-hmm. mhm mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, you
1: know, I think uh, I don't know if you've looked at the work of Scott Galloway, who wrote Post-Corona, From Crisis to Opportunity. But one of the things that Galloway really talks about is um, this whole idea around the public and what they'll want and how they'll seek care. And the point he makes is, uh, let's take Amazon as a good example. Sixty two percent of American households have Amazon Prime accounts. Sixty two percent, Bonnie. And, and, and Amazon has a net promoter score, meaning, you know, from a marketing standpoint, their net promoter score is in the is in the mid to high 80s. Uh, if you look at healthcare delivery systems, they don't have that type of net promoter score. In fact, many healthcare delivery systems right now, one of the challenges that they've had is their customer satisfaction scores are really are really plummeting. So um, I think it's going to happen, and I think that healthcare systems eventually will get on board, and some already have through partnerships with these technology companies, but I think more
0: will have to moving forward. Right. Well, yeah, and I mean, you look at what Amazon's doing with their program.
1: They're not doing any bricks and mortar at all, Bonnie. <laughs> you know, uh, their their care is going to either be virtual or they're going to come to your house. Um, and they've expanded beyond the Seattle market now. You know, they're into the Washington D.C. area, and they've got a couple of other areas that they're targeting to really offer primary care in a much different way. So they're not even bound by some of the bricks and mortar. that traditional healthcare systems have so much invested in
0: infrastructure that that's gonna be very problematic moving forward. And I think we could, we're gonna see a day in the not too distant future where someone like an Amazon or a Walmart Health or even CBS will just leap to the top and be the largest employer of nurse practitioners. Yeah, that's and that's you know that's the other
1: workforce issue that is um, so interesting right now is that the competition from talent for talent for nursing workforce talent and healthcare talent is going to come from outside traditional healthcare companies and some of these rural hospitals that have been somewhat protected with their workforce because they've been the only game in town. This this remote work that healthcare staff can do is going to is going to really enable them to work in places other than where they live.
0: Well, and it actually gives nurses that live in rural communities now an option from an employment perspective as well. Sure does. Sure does. Wow. Well, this is so much amazing stuff. And and it's probably a great place for us to put a pin in it for today. But I always love talking with you, Rose. We could go on and on for hours, I'm sure. Well, it's been a pleasure to be with you, Bonnie. And, um, I think that,
1: uh, the future is exciting, you know, really, I'm really looking forward to see what happens next.
0: Yeah. Agreed. It's going to, it's going to be a lot of change. I think it's not for the faint of heart, but I, I think mm-hmm. it's going to be fun. It's definitely going to be a buckle up tight kind of future. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Well, thank you again, Rose, for being with us today on healthcare soothsayers podcast and be sure to check out the show notes for this show to find Rose's contact information and to learn more about her work. And thank you again for being with us today. Thanks so much for listening to Healthcare Soothsayers. I really do appreciate it. If you liked what you heard, please rate, review, and share it with your network. That is how we grow and learn. If you have ideas for show topics for guests, please reach out to me directly at ThoughtLeaderRN on Twitter. For information about this show or any of the others in the Touchpoint Media Network, please check them out at touchpoint.health.